Well, uh, thank you all for coming. Um, let's, uh, I already got tons of jokes that I'm going to refrain from because we've got to preach, all right? So let's pray and ask God to be here, <laughs> and we'll get going. Father God, as we just kind of um, uh, move into the, the message today, I pray that you would help us to hear from you. Um, I pray that you would help me to serve the congregation well, and I pray that, as I always pray, God, that there's a responsibility um, for those in the congregation and what they hear today. Um, and the responsibility is to take it seriously, that we believe that you're not just a distant God and a God that set things in motion and, and took a step back, but that you're actively working and that you have the ability to speak to us today and to talk to us. And so help us to quiet our minds, help us to clear our hearts, um, help us to, to receive from you today, and, and let us have an expectation in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, uh, it's good to be here. Um, I'm Johnny. I mainly do the announcements. I was a little bummed that Pastor Jim left that off my uh, resume here. But, uh, and then I do the youth on the side. And when, when, I, when we do the youth in the back, it's a little bit more relaxed uh, just because there's always, like, brother-sister arguing in the back uh, there. You know, the, um, the Davidsons, the Keiths, Jalen and Mackay, um, um, and we all just kind of get on each other. Even right now, you can see they're pointing at each other. So it's okay if we talk a little bit, um, if we interact. Uh, I don't specifically have anything to interact, but, you know, if we do that, that's fine. Um, and so we're going to be talking today. I asked Pastor Jim. I said, hey, Pastor Jim, uh, is there anything specifically you want me to talk about? He said, no, just <laughs> challenge them, preach the word. You know, those generic senior pastor answers to your questions, you know. <laughs> I was like, oh, okay. And, um, and there's always a struggle for me. Uh, I'm, I don't really get nervous in front of people anymore in, a, in kind of this setting. But there's always a challenge for me that, like, uh, this is how I know I'm a youth pastor because when I speak to the adults, I got to be a little bit more serious or, like, I got to be extra clever or, like, have, like, a really deep truth. Um, but, but here's what I know. I know that nobody has ever stumbled in their Christianity on the foreshadowing in the Old Testament to the New Testament and hermeneutical studying and all the, you know, all these big, complex theological things. Most of us, can we agree, we're not scratching our head saying, is the angel of the Lord really in Genesis talking about, you know, like going into this deep? No, okay, we, we, we don't, most of us go that route. Um, some of us might, but for the whole, I find that I struggle with and you struggle with the same things, right? The same things. We don't, we don't wake up one day and, and say, oh, there's a new struggle in my life, although, it, like I said, all right, I'm, I'm using broad brushstrokes here. There are things that can come up, but, but generally speaking, you have weaknesses, and, and they develop in the same areas, right? And so I want to just kind of take a step back, go real simple today, and we're going to be looking, and the, I'll ask you a couple of questions, and uh, we're just going to be looking at our commitment to God, and, and really, um, I guess you could say the, the cost of discipleship. So um, let's do this. Let's open up to Luke 14, okay? Um, if you have your phone, you can use that. I'm not offended by that. <clears throat> Let me just update my uh, status here real quick. I'm joking. I'm using the Bible, too, on my phone. So Luke 14, when you get there, you could say, woohoo. Don't brag. Some of you were bragging with your woohoos. That was way too quick. <laughs> okay, you know your Bible. We get it. 
Um, so now's the time of year where we, uh, where's a great time to jump on board if you want to read the Bible in a year. In the back there, we still have those, those papers. We have um, how to read through the Bible different ways. So you can read through it, I think there's like uh, chronologically, because the, you know the Bible's separated by uh, uh, literature style, right? There's like the law, then the prophets, then poetry, you got Psalms, wisdom, or the books of wisdom, they would say, uh, Proverbs. Then there's, you know, the gospel. Then there's the letters in the New Testament. Then there, right? So it's separated that way how we currently have it in the Bible, and that's not necessarily chronologically, right? All right, I didn't know that. Um, so uh, we have it out there chronologically by topic. Um, if you want to do, like, there's like a psalm and proverb a day one where you can go through the whole Bible, and, and at the end you got a little psalm proverb. Check that out. Those are free, right? It just really good. <laughs> it's a good deal. <laughs> um, <clears throat> all right. So here we are. We're in Luke 14, and um, we're going to start in verse 25. But before we go there, um, I really enjoyed Pastor Bob last week. A lot of times I get tripped up in how I express things and how much I love people. So like Pastor Bob, I wanted to say, I, t- I told you guys that he was a man of few words. And then when I sat down, I was like, that's not necessarily true. It's just that every time I want him, I'm a, every time I want him, every time I'm around him, I want him to speak more around me. Like, I just want to hang out with them all, all day. And so I really said he was a man of few words, but he's, anyway, so he was good last week. If you were here, um, he talked a little bit about um, how, how all of us have an assignment or assignments from God. And I like that, right? I think, I know it's true because the Bible tells us, right, that we all have assignments and he was talking about starting them and finishing them. And he also talked about your assignment or assignments that you'll get from God will always stretch you, Right? They'll always stretch you. And that's pretty good, too. Um, I really enjoyed it. I'm sure you can go online and, and get the podcast if you want. But what I want to talk about today is something that God's been challenging me in here just recently. And I wanted to talk about with, you, with it to you. You know, a lot of preachers, when we talk about God, and I'm saying preachers and me, too, uh, when we talk about God, a lot of it is based in regards to here's how God fulfills something for you. Right, so there's a God, and He can provide a solution to your need. So um, if you struggle with uh, depression, right, here's God, and here's how He'll fix that depression. Or if you struggle with finances, here's God. Here's some money principles in the Bible. Here's how we apply it to you. If you struggle with being stupid or making dumb decisions, you know, here's God. Here's wisdom for you, and the list goes on and on. Okay, and not that that's bad. All right. But even in looking at Scripture that way, it's a very me-focused deal, okay? And we want to just be a little bit careful of that because does God help? Does he have wisdom for you? Absolutely. Does he have peace for you? Absolutely. Does he have joy for you? Absolutely. Does he come for you? Absolutely. But that's not his main goal, okay? That's not his main goal. And, um, and I want to talk a little bit about that, but I want to start off here in saying... Where uh, would you consider the task God has given you hard? Um, You might not know what your tasks are, but um, would you consider it hard? And I want to talk about life in general as a rule and say everything that matters is hard. So I had a friend growing up, JR, and he always had these get-rich-quick schemes. Did you have a friend like that? I did. And he was always trying to rip people off. That's what it came down to, right? <laughs> he was always trying to rip people off. And, um, and, and, I, 
And I learned early on that everything that matters or everything that, that is um, worthwhile has a cost and is hard. Uh, the famous story in my family is one time I was working at a daycare, and I worked, I worked at a daycare for two years, and across the street of the daycare was the church that my father pastors. And I was on the playground at the daycare, and I looked across, and my dad was fiddling on the side of the church building, uh, not with a fiddle, but he was fiddling with his hands. <laughs> All right. Uh, he was, <laughs> he was on the side, with, and the water was running, and I, from across the parking lot, I yelled, Hey, Dad, what are you doing? Right? And uh, he, he, he's not known for making a lot of quick jokes or things, but this, this day, the Lord was with him. He was on point. And he turned around and he said, Ah, I knew you wouldn't recognize it. It's called work. Right? So I have filed that away in my brain and will now use it towards my kids, all right? And I freely give that to you. But everything that, that, that matters or everything that's worthwhile is, is, is hard, all right? And let's look at some examples of this. Um, uh, Christianity-wise, salvation, that's easy. That's a moment in time, right? Discipleship, that's hard. That's after everything after salvation, okay? Um, how about this? A wedding is easy, uh, some of you girls will object, all right? <laughs> they know it's not, but maybe some of you guys would agree with me, all right? Uh, a, a wedding, a day is easy, because really, on the wedding day, you just show up, and hey, that's easy, right? But a, but a marriage is hard. What about after the wedding, right? There's, there's more after that. Um, how about this one? Having a, a guest over can be easy. <laughs> I'll leave that up for interpretation. But what if you had someone live with you? That's pretty hard, right? That's, that's a little different. A momentary, easy compared to a, a progressive hard, right? Or what about this? Making babies is easy, but raising kids is hard. No comments on that, all right? I thought that would have been had a little chuckle. Maybe this is church and we can't do that. I understand. All right, how about this? Um, uh, how, about, how about this? A date is easy. Oh, let's say marriage is hard, right? Going on a date. You can impress anyone for one date. But getting into a relationship is hard. And I think uh, I, I want to talk about the discipleship aspect, not necessarily the salvation of walking with Christ, because I think most of us in here hopefully have said, yes, I want to follow God, and that's easy. But living that out day to day is hard, and that's what brings us to Luke 14. Um, my dad would say it this way. He would say, giving your life to God is like your life being represented in a million-dollar bill. And when you give your life to God, you say, here, God, here's my million-dollar bill. This represents my life. And my dad would say, then God takes that million-dollar bill, puts it in a machine, and quarters come out. And he gives you the quarters, and he says, now give me your life one day at a time. Right? And that's the difference of a momentary decision and saying, God, I want to follow you compared to a lifetime. And I want to talk about this lifetime aspect. So let's read here. Um, <clears throat> it says this, we're in Luke 14. What did I say? Verse 25? Uh, let me give a timeout because I wanted to give this story. This will be the best story of the night I have, okay, uh, the morning. So uh, all of that to say, are, uh, with the cost of discipleship, we're going to talk about the cost of discipleship, but all that to say, words are deceiving, right? It's easy to say, God, I follow you, I love you, and all that stuff, but living it out is hard. Let me tell you how words are deceiving. We use the word love for everything, right? Well, maybe not everything, but we use the word love a lot. I love 
nachos and cheese, right? I love my firstborn daughter. I love lamp, okay? We have all these different uh, variances of love that we have. We kind of lose, lose, the, lose the word. And so when we use that with God, we say, yes, I follow God. Yes, I love God. Yes, of course we would say that. We're in the Bible belt. Why wouldn't you say that? But when it actually comes to living it out, it's different. Let me tell you how words can get us in trouble sometimes. Um, a couple nights ago, <laughs> um, and I asked my wife for permission to tell about this because it's really a story about how stupid I am. A couple nights ago, um, uh, okay, let me back up. There's a game that uh, I'll sometimes play on my gaming console, okay? And it's called Destiny. And so I'll play, but the, uh, a couple nights ago, I do, we decided to spend time together. Well, I decided to spend time with Kim before I played the game, okay? And so me and Kim were, were cuddling upstairs, just talking and stuff, and Kim goes, oh, you want to hang out with me and not play with the mistress, Destiny, right? Your mistress, Destiny. And I, being the quick, quick-tongued, sharp guy that I am, had a great response because I wanted to instill value in my wife and say, compared to a video game, this is nothing. You are nothing. You are everything. And so my wonderful response was, I'd rather hang out with Old Faithful. <laughs> <laughs> Needless to say, <laughs> it didn't go over well. And as I said it, I immediately it was one of those moments you're just like, <laughs> and what I'm trying to say is words don't mean anything. Kim, I was hung out with you that night. All right, forget about what I said. And what's really funny is, what's really funny is, uh, I said, Kim, is am I going to hear about this the rest of my life? <laughs> she goes, yes. <laughs> she goes, I don't know. I'm just old faithful. What do I know, right? <laughs> Um, words are a funny thing. We can sometimes use them to mean things, and sometimes we just use them and they don't mean anything to us. So um, the point of that story is I'm a fool, and also uh, let's, let's look at how we can move past just word service to God and actually living it. So we're here on um, Luke 14, verse 25, and I'm going to split this into three chunks, and then we'll be done because I don't have a lot, all right, um, hopefully. So here we go. Uh, it says this. And I'm reading from New Living Translation. Um, It says, A large crowd was following Jesus. He turned around and said to them, If you want to be my disciple, you must hate everyone else by comparison. Your father and mother, wife and children, brothers and sisters. Yes, even your own life. Otherwise, you cannot be my disciple. And if you do not carry your own cross and follow me, you cannot be my disciple." but don't begin until you count the cost. I want to read that one more time because this is, um, I think if there was a series called um, The Worst Verses That We Take Lightly From Jesus, this might make it. All right, so let me, let's just read that first part one more time. It says this, a large crowd was following Jesus. He turned around and said to them, if you want to be my disciples, you must hate everyone else by comparison. Your father and mother, wife and children, brothers and sisters, yes, even your own life. Otherwise, you can not be my disciple. And if you do not carry out your own cross and follow me, you cannot be my disciple. But don't begin until you count the cost. Have you counted the cost? It might have been a while for you, but have you counted the cost? Just like we got to give that quarter every day. Have you counted the cost? It's not saying here that you really must hate 
everyone else. <laughs> he's, God isn't telling us to go emo, okay? He's not telling us to go depressed. But he's saying, if you were to compare, your love for me should be so great. So let me ask you this. Just close your eyes real quick, all right? And I want you to ask yourself this and try to be as objective as possible. Do you love Jesus? Do you love Jesus? And I'm not talking about church attendance being an indicator. Come on, all of you have someone that you love on earth. Do you love the same way Jesus? Do you want to know him? Do you want to hang out with him? Are you interested in him? Do you want his goals to be accomplished? Are you willing to give of your life for him? You can open up your eyes. I think one of the things um, that uh, I can see sometimes, even in my own life, is I think a lot of people love Jesus because they think he's on their side, right? Like they say, okay, I have all these goals and all these dreams and all these missions, and God is going to help me accomplish them. And once again, Listen, I don't want to be depressing. I don't want to be rude. I don't want to be, but yes, God does want to help you. He does want to accomplish things in your life. But really how it works is you're on his side, right? Like the way we run our lives is not God, here's what I'm trying to accomplish. Are you in? Right? Um, Or if you were playing a childhood game at a playground, you know that you don't choose God. You don't say, um, and on my team for Red Rover, I'd like God. No, that's not how it works. And God goes, okay, whatever you say, Captain, right? Um, <laughs> what I'm trying to say is, like, God has chosen you to help him in his goals. And, and that's very hard because it, I don't know about you, but in my life, I constantly slip back to, hey, God, can you help me do this? Can you help me do this? Can you help me do this? And listen, I'm not saying he can't help you, but what I'm saying is we're here to help him in his goals, right? And that's a big change. And here's why that's a big change, because it removes a lot of our complaints. It's hard. That's really, really hard. God, this didn't turn out the way I thought it should. This didn't do this. You failed me on my test. You, 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 this relationship didn't work out how I wanted it to. This job thing didn't happen how I wanted it to. And you can go on and on and on. But if we're honest with ourselves, that's you fitting God into what you think he should do. So let me ask you again. Have you considered the cost of what it means to follow God? Because what it means is you give up that right. Let's continue back up in the story here. It says this, For who would begin construction of a building without first calculating the cost to see if there's enough money to finish it? Otherwise, you might complete only the foundation before running out of money. And then everyone would laugh at you. They would say, there's the person who started that building and couldn't afford to finish it. Um, here's the question with this passage. Do you know what it will cost you to follow God? Uh, there's literally a building in Orlando, uh, I think uh, TBN, TCN, 
my wife would know more about it, but literally there's this huge million, tens of millions of dollars building that they have built, this Christian TV station, and they don't have enough money to finish it. And so there's this huge building in the first 20 floors you can see through. You can just see the concrete. And then the next 20 floors, there's windows, but there's nothing else on the inside. And it's literally been there for, I don't know, 10 years, 12 years. And every time I walk by it, I like it because it says, um, in this verse here, it says, then people will look at you and say, huh, there's the person who started that building and couldn't afford to finish it. And in this verse, we might think that's like people who don't know Jesus. But I see that on that building every time I see it. I say, those idiots, they didn't have enough money to finish it. What were they thinking? They could have built a one-story building and finished it, right? Why do they have to go 50 feet or 50 stories? So here's... Sorry, uh, again, back to the question. So here's my question to you. If you decide to follow Christ, do you know it will cost you? And let me tell you what I do here and what my failing as a pastor is. Um, I say on this, at this point, whenever I talk about what it will cost you, I say things like this. This is normally how I do it with the youth too. I say this. Are you willing to give up your life for Christ? Now, I don't think God's going to ask that of you, but we need to be willing Right? And everybody's like, yes, willing, yes, all that stuff. But, you know, I'm going to take a step back and I'm just going to let it lay out there because this is where I get uncomfortable with the Bible. Because what if God is asking some of you to give up your life? Why, why do I feel the urge to add on to that? No, I don't think he's really going to do that. Or I might say something like this. Are you willing to sell your house and maybe live in a smaller house? And use that money for something else. Now, I don't think God's willing. Whoa, 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 whoa. Today, I just want to let that sit. Are you willing to give up everything? That's a lot more gravity, right? I don't, at times, I don't want to go there. But that's what the Bible is saying here. Let's move on. Or what king would go to war against another king without first sitting down with his counselors to discuss whether his army of 10,000 could defeat the 20,000 soldiers marching against him? And if he can't, he will send a delegation to discuss the terms of peace while the enemy is still far away. So you cannot become my disciple without giving up everything you own. Here's my next question. Are you willing to sacrifice? Are you willing to sacrifice? That's a hard question. Because everything in this culture is about providing a buffer. Let me make sure I have enough in savings. Let me think about my retirement. Let me make sure that I got a nice, car, nice enough car, a nice enough house. Let me make sure all these things, right? And all you're doing is insulating yourself and providing a buffer. And God's saying, are you willing to sacrifice that? One of the favorite things I love about um, my wife, Kim, was normally she's, uh, she's the planner and I'm not. I didn't know I could step up my game, all right? But back in 2010 when um, Haiti had the earthquake, uh, she looked online and she, um, she really exemplified this idea of just going with whatever God says. Now, I don't know if God said that, but there's people hurting, and so we wanted to help them. So she just got online. She found this guy from Canada who was flying his plane, and he landed in Arlington, 
and was going to Haiti, and we just hopped on his plane. So we didn't know this guy at all, right? We just hopped on his plane, and I'm sitting in the back with all the medical equipment. It was like an eight-seat plane. I don't know what kind. Kim's sitting in the pilot seat, and we just flew with this guy that we just met online. And we're flying to Haiti, and the U.S. had shut down the main... Um, the main airport there. So we had to fly to Jockmel, the other side. And as we're flying over, the guy's like, hey, you know, things are a little bit, um, <clears throat> they're not as regulated here. So just keep an eye out for any planes that are coming in different directions. Like, they don't have radar for this stuff anymore. So we're just like looking around like, oh, there's a plane. Look out for that one. You know, like, so we fly over and then we got to land and overseas, things are just way different. We get to the airport in the runway and there's like two planes off on the side, like, that have crashed off on the side that are just sitting there. It's like, oh, this is instilling confidence in me. And when the runway has potholes in it, it's like, uh. So we land and we um, get there and it's like, okay, now what? Okay, we'll figure something out. So we get there and customs there was this half-built building and a lady standing out there with a spiral notebook. It's like, could you just please put your name and a cell phone number here? Like, okay, John. Here's my cell phone. Here you go. Welcome to Haiti. Oh, thanks. And we just kind of like walked off. And we helped out and everything. And here was our plan for leaving uh, the country. She goes, why don't we, Kim goes, what we need to do is we need to go back to the airport and we need to sit there until a plane comes. And then we can ask where they're going. And we also heard there was a rumor of a helicopters flying people to the Port-au-Prince and maybe flying out of Port-au-Prince. And I was like, yeah, but what if no, what if no planes come? She goes, that's why we brought tents. I was like, oh, okay. So we went to the airport when we were leaving, and we just sat down on the, on the side there and waited. And then a prop plane came in, and we we're like, hey, where are you guys going? <laughs> like, oh, we're going to, uh, where is it? The DR. Sant yeah, where, San Santiago, right? And there's an American Airlines hub there. She's like, can we go with you? Sure, come on. Okay, we just kind of popped in this plane, and they're like, let's go. We put on this thing, and, and when we landed in the DR, I thought to myself, I said, what if some guys just come out with guns, and these guys are really drug smugglers? Like, what's... <laughs> but we just went with the flow. We're like, hey, thanks for the ride. <laughs> we got out, and we, we left and, and came back to the States, and it was awesome because um, normally I'm up for spur-of-the-moment type of deal, and um, my wife likes to kind of have an idea of what's going on. But I was getting nervous, and Kim had all this confidence. It was really weird. I was like, are you sure that's what we're, what we're doing? She's like, yeah. And I'm like, well, yeah, I don't want to be a punk. You know, <laughs> I'm down, whatever. <laughs> um, so I say all that to say this. Um, so many times we build these buffers out in our lives, and that's our default. Is it not? Um, even when we make a commitment to say, you know what, we're going to live aggressively, we're going to trust God, we're going to do this, we slip back into it. So many times um, Kim and I have talked about doing something and then we find ourselves slipping back into how can we build more comfort? How can we build more uh, safety? Um, a great example of this is um, anytime you get a raise, right? I have never in the history of the world ever heard someone who got a raise say this to me. And maybe I just need to choose my friends better, right? <laughs> I don't say this either, so... Uh, there you go. It's not other people. It's me too. Thank you, Jesus. All right. Um, I've never seen someone say this, though. I'm making more money. I can stay living where I'm at and get, just give this money away now because I proved that I can live on my current income. Have you ever heard anyone say that? 
No, what did they say? Yes, more junk, right? More of nothing that matters. Uh, I'm always saying this to keep myself from crying too. All right, so what I'm saying is, are you willing to sacrifice? Are you willing to sacrifice? It, it does require a different way of thinking. It does require a different way of thinking. Um, we're going we're gonna to finish this here, uh, this section, and then I'm going to comment a little bit more and, and, and we'll be done. But um, what's at stake? What's at stake when we don't consider the cost of discipleship? What's, why is this such a big deal if we don't do this? And, and Jesus answered this, thankfully, to us. And he finishes it out here. He says this, salt is good for seasoning, but if it loses its flavor, how do you make it salty again? Flavorless salt is good neither for the soil nor for the manure pile. It is thrown away. Anyone with here should understand and listen. When we refuse to be willing, we completely remove our usefulness. Come on, we know this. Have you been in a relationship before? Have you ever been in a relationship and an argument happens where they say, hey, um, whatever the reason, I don't feel loved when you blank, or I need you to change this so we can, because it's causing me frustration, it's causing me pain, or I, I need you to do this. And what if that other person's relationship says, no, I'm not going to do it. I refuse. I won't do that. What happens then? The relationship stops. Right? If there's no willingness to grow, if there's no willingness to change, the relationship stops. And how many of us can say, I know I can, that God will speak to us and he'll say, listen, I want this right here. And there's only two responses we have. You know what they are? God, I'll go to church ten times more. Not this, though. I'll do a Bible study. How about that, God? Right? Ooh, next time in worship, I'll do a lap, and then I'll fall on my knees and worship you. How about that? And God's saying, no, no, I want this. So instead of God saying, I want you to go right, I want you to go right, I want you, and we go hard left, right? That's what we do in our relationship. Or we just say this, I will not let go. Well, then you've made God not God in your life. You've effectively halted any progression in your walk with God. I think that's why we don't sing as loud and as hearty when we, when we worship God. When we sing songs like, let your spirit lead me closer without borders, help me to trust you more and more, there's nothing that I won't do. The reason why I don't think we sing that as loud as we should is because it's not true in our life. It's just not true. So we're not going to sing it loud, right? There's no heart behind that. These are hard songs we sing here because they mean something. They require something. They either require you to be willing to give up everything or they require you to be a liar at church. So we won't sing them aloud. We'll just kind of mumble them. We'll just sit there and look. And that's true for me too. I'm not pointing fingers here. I'm saying, where is our willingness? And the Bible says, don't just say this. Think about it first. Consider the cost. Because it's costly. It's hard. It's not easy. I love C.S. Lewis. He said, I didn't go to religion to find happiness. I always knew I could find that in a bottle of port. 
And my nerve, I was nervous this morning talking about this because I told Rika, I said, I don't want to seem angry or bring depression in this new year, right? <laughs> so the first sermon for 2016, you're a horrible Christian. Where's your commitment, right? No, that's not, that wasn't my goal. But what I am saying is I think easy converts brings for shallow faithfulness, right? I would much rather people wrestle with their walk with God for weeks, months, dare I say years? We are life journey, church. Life, <laughs> right? I'd rather you wrestle it than just say, oh, yeah, I love Jesus. That was easy. Well, that makes me nervous because maybe you didn't think about what it really is going to cost you. Maybe you didn't think about it long enough. We're not accepting your yes to Jesus yet. Go think about it for a while, okay? Right? So when we refuse to be willing to follow God and to sacrifice and to give everything, we remove our usefulness and the progress stops. Um, let me give you some closing thoughts here. Here's who I admire in life. I admire people who put their hand to the plow and are faithful every day. Um, um, people, um, I was very, very, extremely blessed, very, very blessed. I think I've had some of the greatest parents in my life where my father and mother exemplified this every day. Um, I always thought my dad should be like a mega pastor, but he wasn't, and it only bothered me. It didn't even bother him that he wasn't a popular preacher, right? Like, gosh, how come my dad isn't just blowing up or anything, right? Um, but my dad, he just put his head to the plow and, and followed every day. I admire people in history who've taken this approach. People like David Livingston, who had the quote, he said, um, when people talk about this, David Livingston, one of the first white guys to go to Africa as a missionary. I mean, he was going to villages, and this was the first white people they were seeing. And, um, and, and he was lauded and, and, and all these things in. Um, I'm going to butcher this, but uh, he said, people talk about the sacrifice that I've made. He goes, what sacrifice? What sacrifice is there that I got to walk and be in nature and share the gospel to people? I mean, this guy eventually died out there. He had um, all these illnesses and, and dengue fever, I think, and um, malaria. He had just tons of stuff. I know I'm fact check me, okay, because it's not right, okay, but I know that he suffered very, very greatly. And he said... God is everything. And I look at him and I say, that doesn't add up in my current life. How can you suffer so much and be filled with joy and love? Um, Paul, or Peter, Paul, when he says, um, for me to live with Christ and to die is gain, um, he had to be the most frustrating guy ever, right? Because he'd be preaching and they'd be like, shut up or we'll stone you. And he's like, go ahead, you know, like... <laughs> I won't even move, you know, um, uh, stone. And they're like, all right, we'll throw you in jail. He's like, I'll have a worship service, right? He'd sing songs and stuff. They're like, all right, we'll kill you. He's like, I'm going to be with Jesus. They're like, ah, what can we do to hurt you, right? Uh, he's just impossible to hurt. And he's like, whatever you do, I'm just so happy. I love Jesus. Uh, how about when he, he told the church he was at, he's like, hey, I got a prophecy for me. Um, I think when I go to Jerusalem, they're going to put me in, in, in chains and stuff. And they're like, we got that prophecy too. So, and he's like, yes, now I know. And they're like, whoa, whoa, whoa. No, we, 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 we think we were giving that to you to tell you so that you wouldn't go. And he's like, 
no, no, no. The guy was just giving me a heads up. I'm still supposed to go, but I just needed to know what was going to happen while I was over. Right? Like, how many of you, if you got a prophecy, hey, don't go to work on Monday, there might be a shooter. Oh, okay. I'll just bring a vest and uh, make sure I tell Jesus to my coworkers before the shooter comes. Right? Like, that's what is that? He wasn't, like, avoiding danger. And, and I look at him and I say, man, that's attractive. But I'm not there yet. I've got to consider the cost a little bit here. I got to think about this for a moment. Um, I also really admire um, Martin Luther King Jr., definitely a, a flawed man, but who isn't. And, um, and his last sermon, um, I, I wish I would have uh, recorded and, and shown it to you in video, but um, I'm going to read this to you here. This is what he said. And he's talking about how um, they had let him know that he had been stabbed um, and how they had let him know that the security had stepped up around him because there were threats on his lives. This is from his last um, message called uh, the the Mountaintop Speech. And he said this, And they were telling me, these are the people around him, uh, now it doesn't matter now. It really doesn't matter what happens now. I left Atlanta this morning, and as we got started on the plane, there were six of us. The pilot said over the public address system, We are sorry for the delay, but we have Dr. Martin Luther King on the plane. And to be sure that all the bags were checked, and to be sure that nothing would be wrong with on the plane. We had to check everything carefully, and we've had the plane protected and guarded all night. And then I got to Memphis, and some began to say the threats or talk about the threats that were out. What would happen to me from some of our sick white brothers? I love that he called us brothers. Well, I don't know what will happen now. We've got some difficult days ahead. Here comes the crying. But it really doesn't matter with me now because I've been to the mountaintop. He's foreshadowing Moses and him being on the mountaintop. And he said, and I don't mind, like anybody. I would like to live a long life. Longevity has its place. But I'm not concerned about that now. I just want to do God's will. And he's allowed me to go up to the mountain. And I've looked over and I've seen the promised land. I may not get there with you, but I want you to know tonight that we as a people will get to the promised land. And so I'm happy tonight. I'm not worried about anything. I'm not fearing any man. Mine eyes have seen the glory of the coming of the Lord. You know what? When we are able to say and count the cost, be willing to make a sacrifice, and to know what this will mean, we're able to finally enter in some freedom, right? I think when you have that attitude, when you say, God, you're in control now, I think there's a huge weight that's lifted from us, and I'm trying to experience that freedom. I think God, that's what he's talking about when he says, come follow me, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Because you don't have to worry about what happens to you anymore. Can we just close our eyes and just think a little bit here? Basically, if I was to sum this up, I think the Bible's saying, hey, what's your answer to following me today? What's your answer to following me today? And he's saying, if you're going to follow me, make sure you think long and hard about it and then follow me. But if you're not, don't.
And I think God's okay if you're not for following him right now. And I even think it's okay for you to say, I want to, but I'm not sure if I'm ready. I want you to know that God still loves you. And he's going to work on you some more. I have confidence in that. But here's what I don't want you to do. I don't want you to say, because I can't say yes with all my heart, I refuse to say yes at all. I think it's okay to say, God, I'm not where I want to be with my yes, but help me to get there. And I I just want to throw this out there for you, and I need to hear it too. When you follow God, yes, he does help you. And yes, he does give comfort and he does all these things. But when we follow God, we give up our right to say, you have to do this for me. And we get to realign our heart and our mind and our goals and say, God, whatever you want. Whatever you want. Whatever you ask. 